Good morning. Hey! How many of you guys seen that Numa Numa video? (laughs) Right? That guy is seven years old, that video is. And, uh... It was pretty big stuff back in the day. I don't know if you guys remember. Uh, I was hanging out with uh, some of the, helping out with the youth back at the time, and that was all the rage. If you could do the Numa Numa. And anybody speak Romanian in here? Good. So if we try to sing it, nobody would be offended, right? Well, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing about YouTube, right? Does anybody know what the number one most viewed YouTube video is right now? Huh? No? That's close, though. I think that's number two. Gangnam Style. Yes, with over, what is it, a billion views, a billion and a half, I think, as of recently. What is it about YouTube videos that are so catchy? Anybody? Well, check this out. I was watching uh, one of those TED videos recently, you know, where they bring in people from other companies to explain how things work. And they had the guy, the main dude in from YouTube that basically ran the statistics for these videos. And you know what he said, what they discovered, what makes the video popular? They have no idea. The head statistical guy of YouTube has no idea what will make a video viral. But he did say the number one thing that they've discovered that they can't put their finger on, though, is community. It's about the experience that people share together, and then they refer their friends. Does that make sense? It's just a thing. And and so this morning, we're going to be talking about having one of those kinds of experiences with God that makes it so much, so cool, so enjoyable, so life-changing that we want to share it with other people. So... Get ready. We're going to go ahead and and dive into Psalm 34, but let's pray first because I need it. All right. God, thank you so much for for giving us this day to wake up to. Uh, We thank you for your word, God. It is amazing how alive and active it is. But we just pray that as we're reading through this psalm that many of us have uh, read through before, God, and whether or not we're new here or we're not, whatever it is, God, may you just illuminate off the pages the things that we need to hear. God, may you just stir in us a passion for you. May you make this morning about you. God, we pray that we leave this place changed because we've encountered you and we've had an experience with you that only you can provide. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so go ahead and turn your Bibles to Psalm 34. If you're using U version, flip your thumbs to Psalm 34. Okay. You know, it's funny. I like technology, but it's still quicker to turn a page. I don't know. It's funny. Hey, man. <laughs> While you guys are turning there, let me, uh, let me just start off and share, share a little part of a story. We'll, we'll finish it up later. But back in 2003, I had the opportunity to go down to the southern tip of uh, Sonora in Mexico. That's the state right under us in Arizona. To a little town called Guadabampo. Great name, huh? Took us a while to learn it. It was me and three really good friends from Oregon, and we were commissioned by a a, a missions organization to go down and basically scout the area for future mission trips in the grand town of Watabampo. You just got to say it. It's fun. You got to try it. And uh, so here we are. We're going down there, and we're plopped down in this place for a month, okay? We we were set up in a hotel that would scare most people. And, uh, I mean, seriously, we're, we're in the top floor, which is a good start. But in the ceilings of this room, there are just foam panels, and there's holes in them. And I remember my, my buddy, he's like, hey, man, can, can you sleep under the hole? I'm afraid a scorpion's going to drop through in the middle of the night. I'm like, okay, sure, you know? That's, that's friendship for you, right? So we're, we're down in this town, and, and, and we have just boxes, just piles and piles of tracts and Gospels of John and Bibles. And basically what we're doing is we're working with a local church there to help support the ministry that they were doing in the area. They just kind of needed a good shot in the arm. They were already godly people doing amazing work, but we were coming down there to try to help. And so every day we'd go out and we'd pass out literature and, and things like that. 
And then in the evenings, we'd go out to these little towns on the outskirts of Watabampo. <laughs> Just going to keep saying that. And we would go in there and we'd set up shop. And the four of us, we'd play music. We'd do these skits and dramas. Anybody here part of the drama ministry? We're getting back started. Anybody? Yeah, go drama ministry. And so we were doing these dramas down there, and then we would, we would preach. Well, out of the four of us, there was really only two of us that spoke decent enough Spanish to get by. Myself, which was so-so, and then our, our friend, he was the eldest brother, and, and so he could speak pretty good, and he would translate. And uh, we'd go out to these towns and do this thing. Well, one night, uh, we were going out to a town. I don't remember the name of it, but, uh, you know, we'll call it Jesus Garcia. That's a lot of the little town's names down there. And we're going out to Jesus Garcia or something. And uh, before we go out, though, our leader, the, the older brother, he gets hit with something nasty. Oh, man, you know, bad taco. Who knows? Because we're down there for a month. We're eating everything, right? We're young. We're, we're men. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'll eat that. And uh, bad idea. But he got hit with something. He's laid up in bed. And the three of us are like, oh, my goodness, what do we do? We're supposed to go out to this town with one of the elders from the church. And they're counting on us. And, you know, we don't want to report back home in the States. Yeah, we got sick, so we didn't do anything. And uh, so it was about halfway through our trip. Well, we prayed, and we just felt God say, go do it. And so we're like, okay. <laughs> so the three of us loaded up in this packed old, like, 80s, 90s Astro van. The thing was just packed to the gill with stuff. And we're sitting in there, and we're, we go out to this town, and, and we start setting up. And we're just like, oh, my goodness, Lord, what are you, <laughs> what are you, what are you doing? And uh, so we go ahead and we start our program. You know, we, we run around the town. We're doing our little invite. And for those of you that speak Spanish, don't judge me. But, you know, we had this line down that we do. We're like, you know, vamos a invitarles un programa allá en el calle. And, you know, we're talking música, dramas, predicando, stuff like that. And people are like, you're white. That's enough for us, right? I mean, and so we're, we're down there, and we're in the street, and we're playing our songs. There's just three of us playing what normally would be four-person songs. So to them, we might as well just been Rush, you know? And um, we, we have, like, normally there's six-person skits, and we've adapted them to four, and now there's three. So, you know, we'd, like, have a hat on, and we were one character, and we'd turn around, and we were another character. You know, we'd turn around and stuff. And we're getting going, and we're doing the thing, and then it comes time to preach and give the altar call. And we're going to finish up the story in a few minutes. <laughs> the main point today, though, it's on your notes. If you're taking notes, great. If you're not taking notes, write some stuff down. The main point today, though, is that experiencing God is more than just knowing and doing the will of God. It is having a personal encounter with him that stirs emotion and directs our hearts back to him. It's about a relationship. See, I know when I say the word experience, some of you from different backgrounds, some of you are going yay and some of you are cringing. It's okay. This morning we're going to cover all the territories. But what I will say is that experiencing God is more than just head knowledge. Experiencing God is like hanging out with your spouse or a best friend. It's about a two-way uh, a conversation. It's about getting to know the person and letting the other person get to know you and just being in the presence of that other person. But time's infinity with God, the creator of the universe. So for those of you taking notes, we're going to go ahead and, and help you out a little bit. Okay, there's not too much on your notes, but we're going to go ahead and give you the first two. And uh, that is Psalm 34, 1 through 10 is, here we go, a hymn. This psalm is basically broken up into two sections. The first of them is a hymn. The second, on your notes, towards the middle there, uh, verses 11 through 22, is a sermon. And it's going to be kind of cool how this works out. So, 
Let us begin reading, because that's, after all, what we're here to do. Not hear me talk, but let's hear what God has to say. So Psalm 34, my Bible gives it a heading that it is of David. I like knowing who wrote it, and in this case, we know. And it says that it was of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. If you guys have a few minutes, you're going to want to read 1 Samuel 21, 10 through 15. It's the story of David when he goes to the Philistines, and they start talking him up, and he goes crazy to try to escape. It's actually a pretty cool story. You want to read that? It's the backstory. Verse 1 of 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Go, repeat after me. I will bless the Lord at all times. How many times? All times. Sometimes? All times. Excellent. We got to remember that. I will bless the Lord at all times. Man, I forget that. <laughs> One line of this verse, and I'm already not doing very well. But we will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You see a pattern here? That word praise is actually, um, it, there, there's seven Hebrew words for praise. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because I'm not a good Hebrew scholar. But this one is, ta- is, is, the, uh, is the Hebrew word that, that means uh, singing. It's a loud, boisterous, exclamatory type praise. His praise shall continually be in my mouth, singing music. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Why do you think he uses that term boast? Is it not our natural inclination? <laughs> do we not like to boast in stuff? I did that, right? I made that. I baked that. I drive this. I get this paycheck. You know, whatever it is, I boast in the Lord. But the thing is, when you read that backstory of David, you find out that he had this reputation going, right? Saul killed his thousands. David killed his ten thousands. And suddenly he realized his reputation out, was outside of his control. And he could have easily said, yeah, that was me, right? He realized, man, this isn't a good thing to base my life on because I'm going to get killed by boasting, right? Paul said later on, I would rather boast about my weaknesses. Now, that's, that's, that's serious stuff. So David is saying, I'd rather boast in the Lord. Let the humble Hear and be glad. Another term for that is the righteous. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Say the word magnify. Magnify. What does magnify mean? Make bigger, right? We sing songs, we have the term magnify. I will magnify the Lord, you know. It literally means to make him bigger. And we can't really overdo the description of God, can we? God is so far above us. We are to make much of him is what this is saying. As a side note, as I've been going through the Psalms lately, I'm reading the Psalms, and as the music guy here at the church, so often I, I, I think of songs that are related to the Psalms. And, and just as a thought, as you guys are reading through songs, or Psalms, Song, songs might start popping in your head like, oh yeah, there's a song based on that. And I've just been jotting down next to the verses, kind of in the margin, the songs that come to mind. You know, it is fascinating to see how many of the songs we sing come directly out of the Psalms. It's a pretty cool thing. So we are to make much of him. Let's do this for just a second. Turn to the person next to you, <laughs> or if there's nobody there, scoot over, whatever. And just, just really, really quick, just say something awesome that God is either done or is doing in your life. Just real quick each. Go ahead and do that. Right on. You know what you guys just did? You just magnified the Lord. Three verses, a few minutes into the sermon, and you guys are already doing this. We could literally go home right now. Some of you want to. You can't. It's okay. 
Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We just exalted his name together, didn't we? It only takes a couple, but here we got a hundred or so in here. Here's your fill-ins. The first ones. Praise and worship does two things. Number one, it puts the focus on God and it realigns our wandering hearts. It puts the focus on God. It realigns our wandering hearts. Praise and worship does a lot of other things too, but these are two things that I really want to make sure we understand. The first thing is a priority, and that is we put our focus on Jesus. We put our focus on God. And what it does as a byproduct is number two, it realigns our wandering hearts. It's like the hymn we, we sing oftentimes, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, take and seal it, seal it for the courts above. We are prone to wander. Jack Haverd, an old-time pastor. Some of you guys may have heard him, some of you don't. He said this, worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one worshipped. Isn't that true, though? Now, I don't want to be picking on all you sports fans here, because I'm not very sports-related or inclined. But check it out, right? What happens when Cardinal season comes up? What do you see running around here? Cardinals, jerseys, one of these days. But anyway, the point is, we become like what we want to be, right? When we drive a really cool car, we want to be part of the club, perhaps, right? When we're part of something at school, we want to make sure we're under that banner during the, you know, student march or something. Whatever it is, we become like what we worship. Worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one worshiped. And David knows that, which is why he says, put the focus on God. Put the focus on God. Let's continue in verse 4. I'm making our pro presenter guy just jump around here. My bad. (laughs) I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him endured the cross. Does Jesus know something about fear? Yes, he does. Those who look on him are radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18 says... But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Those who look on Him are radiant. We are encouraged. Verse 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. Who do you think that's talking about? This poor man. It could be us. To David, it's David. <laughs> he recognized his depravity, his need for God. I have nothing without God. I'm a poor man. But this is us. Philippians 4, 6-7. Do not be anxious for anything, right? Let your request be made known to God. The God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, we've got to recognize that we need Jesus, first of all. We need God. If you think you don't need God, you need God. Sorry to break it to you, but that's how it works. But we need to recognize it, and then we give it over to God. Poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Amazing. Verse 8. Here we go. This is, this is one we were referring to earlier. You guys know a lot of this. Is it up there? Let's just read this. One, two, three. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. That's awesome, isn't it? 
Now, let's just park it here on this verse for a couple minutes because this is, this is big stuff. And believe me, there is so much more we could get to in this verse that we're possibly going to be able to. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, what, you, what does it mean to taste and see that the Lord is good? Anybody? Well, just, just throw out. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to taste and see? Take your time. Get, uh-huh. What was that? Test it. Engage. Ooh, someone's paying attention in the front row. Yeah, that's awesome. See, all, all of that is right. Now, at first I read this verse and I thought, David's writing to the guys, right? Taste and see. Guys, we're visually wired up and best place to our heart is through our stomach. David understands guys. But no, really, taste and see. I love what you guys are talking about here and that's so true. It's basically a, 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 a sampling of something, right? So... Anybody go to Costco or Sam's Club? Yeah, yeah, big box, right? This is kind of what I was thinking of. You go to Costco on, on any particular day around lunchtime, preferably the uh, weekends. Yeah, you guys see where we're going, don't you? So what happens? You walk in, right? You pass the electronics and some toys and the shirts and movies. And then you get towards the back where the food is and you start smelling it, right? It's wafting. Mm. And then you might even see somebody trickle by you with something in their hand. You're like, whoa, what was that? And then you, then you see it. Oh, it's glorious, especially if you're hungry, right? Don't go at lunchtime. The sample tray. And some nice lady with an apron and a hair thing on standing there. And they got, I don't know. I mean, I, frankly, I don't know how they do it. I mean, they have a whole kitchen like in this much space. But whatever. They do it. It's magical. And you go up there and they're like, would you like to try a sample? And you say, sure. You know, but you don't want to act too... Too interested, right? Well, maybe do you, you guys all get one? Okay, maybe I'll just take that one. There's a bigger one over there. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And you, you, you get it. That's right. We're truth tellers here. You take it and you eat it. And hopefully you have this reaction. I've tasted some things. That were, but most of the time, what happens? You pop that morsel in your mouth and you're like, hmm, well, that's good, right? You taste it. You saw it. You tasted it, mmm, that was good. And then you move on to phase two, right? Which is, we have a bag for four ninety five right behind here. And you're like, well, I don't mind if I do, you know. You grab it, you go home, and then what happens? Then you, well, yeah, you eat it. That's good. You guys are smart. If it's something really good, what happens though? You, you start telling other people. And then you get excited to take that thing you got from Costco and set that up for your small group or a party, right? So everybody can taste how, how, how good a uh, food you pick out, right? And you can tell, well, I got this at Costco. You start referring things, right? So there's, there's a process that goes on here. And David is saying that, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. He's saying, try it out. And you're going to be hooked. And once you try something you're, you want, you want to come back for more, don't you? See, God is not a one-time sample, is he? God is a man, you just get a little bit, and with God, a little bit goes a long way, right? But you take just a little bit of God's amazing power and awesomeness and life-changing experience you have with him, and you want more. So you want to keep going back for more. And you can. He's given us his word. He's given us, he set up the church. We have praise music we can listen to in the car. It's a referral system. Kind of like that YouTube video we were watching, right? I mean, that dude to me does not look like he's probably the popular kid in the school. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. He put that thing up wherever he was in the world and millions saw it. It's a referral system. David is saying, 
Oh, that you would only know how good is God, how good God is. But don't just take my word for it. See, David could have said, hey, God's good. Okay, just believe me. That's it. God's good. Moving on. He said, no, God is so good. I want you to try God for yourself. I want you to experience God for yourself. I want you to experience God's grace and his love and his mercy and his healing and his forgiveness and his justice and his conviction when we need it. That word, but we need that too. Verse 9, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions will suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I love that. So that concludes David's hymn section of this psalm. And then in verse 11, he starts going on. Basically, we could look at this this sermon as the path of life for the believer. And it says, Oh, come, O children... Listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? 1 Peter 3.10 actually refers directly back to this section. I love it when New Testament quotes Old Testament. It's good stuff. That he may see good. What kind of good do you think he's talking about here? Well, I mean, I was thinking God at work. That's probably a good thing, Right? Health, love, prosperity. I'm not saying we, we, we go to God to get stuff from him, but these are byproducts of, of just God's good nature. He loves us. Here we go. Verse 13. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. <laughs> C.S. Lewis put it this way. We only learn to behave ourselves in the presence of God. <laughs> and this is true, especially if you guys have or have had small children. I have two little daughters, Joelle, who's about one and a half, and Audrey, who's three and a half, my blessed little cherubs. And, uh, you know, they're still pretty young, but the three-year-old, she's starting to figure out this whole right and wrong thing, right? Some of you guys are, amen. <laughs> and we can tell her all day long, okay, don't, don't get into this stuff. Don't make a mess. We're going to, you know, eat dinner on the table, so don't pull everything out. We walk away, and what does she do? <laughs> she pulls it all out. Next thing you know, we got paint dripping from the table, and we're like, what? What happened? The face is priceless, though. You come around the corner, catch a little kid in the act, right? You're just like, what'd you do? You know, there's somewhere like reasoning, like, uh, (laughs) okay, I need to reason my way out of this. I probably knew I wasn't supposed to, but there's probably a good reason, and I'm little, so they're going to let me go, right? Stink. That's the same way with God. The only thing is, God doesn't leave, guys. He's always there. We're the ones that think he went out of the room and, and, you know, is not looking. He's always here, which is a huge blessing for us, really, right? (laughs) We only learn to behave ourselves in the presence of God. That stings a a little bit, but it's true. Here we go. Verses 15 and 16. Check out the contrast he's given here. 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. The righteous, the humble, the, the right standing before God through Jesus. His ears are toward their cry, right? So what are the two words that God is, the verbs that he's using? It's towards them, right? That's a good thing. Verses 16, the face of the Lord is what? Against. He's against those who do evil and cut off the memory of them from the earth. Which side do you want to be on? Yes. It's some, for some of you, that's a no-brainer question. But you know what? That isn't the case for everybody. I, for one, though, I want to be the one that God is for, not against. And when we put our faith in Christ, when we put our faith in Jesus and the power of what he did, he calls us friends. 
He is for us, not against us. Nothing will stand. Verse 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Verse 18, this is a big one, guys. A lot of you know this. A lot of you have to repeat this to yourself, especially when tragedy hits. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. That term near, this is not the, the, the kind of near that a tragedy strikes. You call 911 and you've got to wait 10 minutes for the ambulance to get there. This term near is such that God is always present. He is ready to jump in. You don't have to wait for him to show up. He is there. God is near. Now, I can't explain why God allows everything to happen other than I believe that he is sovereign, he is in control, and he knows what's going on. And that is really tough when stinky things happen. And that's putting it lightly. But I hold true, I, I hold fast to the promise when stuff hits for my, my life that the Lord is near when I'm brokenhearted. And he saves the crushed in spirit. He's a very present help in time of trouble. He keeps going though. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. That's a cool promise right there. I like it because it doesn't say that the righteous are going to have it good, right? They're not going to have many, many awesome things just naturally because you're righteous. It says many are the afflictions of the righteous, and they can come in many forms depending on how God sees fit and the circumstances we're in. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. There is nothing too difficult for God to save us from. Verse 20, he keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. That seems kind of like a random verse to plop in there, doesn't it? And a little bit, it kind of is. It goes with the theme. But this verse is really cool because John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 36, and a couple verses before that even, they're talking about Christ. This is a prophetic verse. David is going along, writing the Psalms, the Spirit's leading him, and all of a sudden, he prophesies there in a little verse and then continues. It is a really cool thing. He heaps all of his bones, not one of them is broken. Verse 21, affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. The last villain that you have on there, experience God is not subject to, but often enhanced by, that's your villain, enhanced by our circumstances. See, the thing is, we don't want to base our experience of God surely on emotion. That's dangerous. However, in the middle of circumstances that are great or tough, that can just further enhance and illuminate through the Holy Spirit what we know in Scripture. Our experiences can enhance our walk and experience with God. So it doesn't mean that we're out seeking an experience just to get that, that emotional high, but the emotional high can be a byproduct of what God's doing. Okay, so if you're here this morning and the whole experience with craziness freaks you out, it's okay. <laughs> that's not the first thing that you want to be seeking. But I'm also here to tell you that that stuff is awesome when it does happen. And the best times of experiencing God in that sort of emotional state always come, at least for me, after I have been just brought to my lowest point in utter need of God. As David said, the poor man. <laughs> when I say, God... 
I turn it over to you. Have your way. I'm in need of you. That's when he shows up. And it is so encouraging. Our spirits are lifted, right? Our countenance is lifted. We have hope again. Not that Jesus has gone anywhere, but we lose sight of it, right? Correct our wandering hearts. There's some cross-references uh, I put on there. Again, 1 Samuel 21, 10 through 15 is a story of David. I'd highly encourage you guys to read that. When you do your growing notes, it'll also be on there. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, give thanks in all circumstances. <laughs> Not just some of the ones you feel good about, but all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And the other verses that are on there talk about circumstances not dictating how you relate to God, but just how he shows up. We are to praise him. As the song says that we sing all the time, he gives and he takes away. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. We can't do it on our own. We can't manufacture this kind of stuff. So here's what I want to do. I don't want to overdo it with a lot of content to give you guys head knowledge. We need to get that stuff deep down into our hearts and keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And in your bulletins, hopefully you all grabbed one, you'll see a little white piece of paper. Some of you guys already use that as a bookmark or put your gum on probably, right? Let's face it, we're in church. We look for pieces of paper to put gum on here. But here's what we're going to do. I want us to take away this. And I want us to remind ourselves of it. On one side of the piece of paper, we're going to write down in your own handwriting... Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3. And on the other side, you're going to write down Psalm 34, verse 8. One side is going to be, I will bless the Lord at how many times? All times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And on the other side, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Just take a few minutes and write those verses down. And then when we, when we leave here, I want you to keep that piece of paper close by. It could, be, it could be on your bathroom window or your mirror, right? Maybe some of you guys have windows. <laughs> keep it at your desk. Keep it by your bedside. Keep it in your Bible where you're going to see it regularly. Keep it on your dashboard of the car. Just make sure you don't cover up the speedometer. I don't think the police officer will believe you. I swear, officer... I didn't know how fast I was going because I was reading the Bible. Probably won't fly. That's cool. No, it is 34 verses 1 through 3. The first three verses of the psalm on one side and verse 8 on the other side. I didn't want to just print it out because it's important that as we're writing it out, it's personalized. That when you see that, you can remember what we're doing here. Remembering that we want to experience God. And it's interesting because the term experience, we really use it interchangeably for a couple of things, don't we? I mean, we use experience in, in what we're talking about here, which is, you know, the, the kind of interaction we have personally. Experience is something that we use on a resume. <laughs> How much experience, work experience do you have, right? It's over a time frame of some kind. You gain certain skills, interactions that would boost things. The type of experience we're talking with God involves all of that. And some of us here this morning have been walking with God for a while. And some of us are brand new. And some of us have yet to encounter God. And I just pray that this morning we would leave this place with a greater understanding of God's power, His mercy, and His grace. That the experience of God would change us. 
So to finish up my story there about Mexico that we started, some of you uh, OCD people are just could not stand that, could you? <laughs> but uh, so getting back to this, three of us friends, we went out to the little Mexican town outside of Guadabampo. And our other friend was laid up back at the hotel. And we went out there, we did our stuff, and like I said, it got to the point where it's time to preach. And I was the, the next in line that knew some Spanish, and again, it wasn't great. I could kind of get by with, you know, where's the bathroom kind of stuff. I just remember, I pulled out my, my, my English-Spanish Bible, right? It's kind of a side-by-side thing, and I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, I just prayed. <laughs> it was sort of a, I'm not going to lie, sort of a Hail Mary, Okay. God, you have me in the middle of absolute nowhere with people that aren't going to understand a word that I say. Can you use me somehow? Here we go. (laughs) Something along those lines. And my friends are just back there like, go for it, man. Yeah, real supportive, right? Now they're cool. I just remember after praying that, I don't want to over-dramatize it, but I kind of (laughs) just, I kind of took a breath because I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And pretty soon I just started preaching in Spanish. And again, I knew some Spanish, but it wasn't good. But the Spanish that I was speaking was way above my level. I mean, we're talking, I was rambling in Spanish. And my mind could kind of comprehend most of what I was saying because of, you know, Spanish class. But it wasn't me really talking. I know it's going to freak some of you guys out. The Holy Spirit, I really believe, was giving me a tongue for that moment. That's a whole nother sermon, but here's a scoop. God, in that place and time, wanted to do a work with those people in that town, and I just happened to be (laughs) the poor gringo standing there at the time. But I recognized my need, and I'm not going to say any of this came from me. It was all from God. But out of desperation, I cried out. I was a poor man in that place. God, I don't know that much Spanish, but these people need to know about you. And man, I I was quoting scriptures in Spanish that I've never even read in Spanish before. I was translating them on the fly, and I was like, boom, 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 right? And it was just, you know, and, uh, and then I got to the point, you know, how many of you guys want to know Jesus, you know? And a bunch of people came forward, and we, we prayed over them. We gave, you know, uh, it was kind of a form of the sinner's prayer, I suppose, but just to kind of get that and start passing out Bibles. And, and we just said, you know, thanks for coming, guys. God bless you. We'll hang around and talk. And I remember after that, it just kind of like turned off, and I was back to... <laughs> And I looked over my two friends and they're just like, because you know, you have friends that know you well enough that they know when something's coming from you and something's not coming from you. And my friends knew at that, for that brief moment where we were talking to those folks, that that was not me speaking because they know my Spanish better than that. And I know my Spanish better than that. All I know is out of sheer desperation, crying out for God, and God showed up because he wanted to do something. Not because we were there, but he wanted to do something. And that experience to me, this is what I'm talking about. It's not about the circumstance that manufacture emotions. We were going to go down there anyway, and we were freaking out. That's not exactly the God encounter, right? Out of desperation, then we cried out to God, and God showed up. And let me tell you, we were so fired up. We are just like, nobody's going to believe us. But it gets better. Check this out. We get done. We packed up. We're just, I mean, we got goosebumps going on, right? We're like, God is so good. God is so good. You know, it's like we almost had to wet ourselves. It was so amazing. We get back. We couldn't wait to tell our friend. His name is Phil. I don't want to just keep calling him friend. His name is Phil. And Phil was like not doing no bueno. You know what I'm saying? We got back and we're like, Phil, you totally missed it. (laughs) 
God showed up and did this amazing thing. You should have, you know, right? And he's just like, so we just went off about what, what we experienced. And he's like, check this out, guys. You got to hear about my night. <laughs> he said that in the course of us being out there, right? Um, apparently the church that we were working with, they, they heard about all the stuff going on. <laughs> probably somewhere between, you know, fearing God and feeling bad for us. They were praying for us. And one of the guys uh, that goes to the church was a doctor. And so they sent him to see our friend Phil. Well, the guy happened to be educated and trained in the United States. So he was also fluent in English. Um, because when you're sick, you don't feel like translating body parts. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's not going to work. So the guy came and he's like, well, let me, you know, he diagnosed. He's like, okay, I know what's wrong. And let me pray for you. So the guy prayed over him, right? And just, man, just peace came over. And then he's like, you know what? What you need is these medications. He wrote out a couple of prescriptions. He said, just take these down to the pharmacy. They'll fill them. And don't worry about paying for them. I got it covered. And then he left. <laughs> so we get back. We're like, God showed up. And the guy's like, and then our friend Phil, he's like, God showed up here too. Because up to that point, we were thinking, this is a total failure. <laughs> We're how many hundreds of miles away from our own country? We're not doing well here. We don't know what's going to happen. We're trusting God. But God, what are you doing? This isn't funny. And he just showed up. We were poor men, and we experienced God's presence out of our desperation. And that's the kind of stuff God wants to do. I'm not saying that he wants to come and give you an emotional charge, although I think he enjoys doing that because he likes watching us jump and get excited. He wants us to experience him on a level that we can only get to when we turn everything over to him. And so as you leave this place and you have those cards, I want us to be reminding ourselves to magnify him, to praise him no matter what's going on. And that we are to taste and see that he is good. Our challenge here, that may God be our primary passion with the help of the Holy Spirit with praise and worship, the vehicle to communicate and enjoy our relationship with him. May Desert Breeze be a place that we experience God, not because of how awesome we are, <laughs> but because how desperate we are for the awesome God. Amen? Hey, let's stand up. Let's pray. God, thank you for being an awesome God who's mighty to save. God, we thank you that in our time of trouble and need and despair and just being poor, broken. God, as your word says, blessed are the poor in spirit. God, we need you. And we just pray that, that this morning, it would be so much more than coming here to sing songs and, and grab a water bottle and, and, and listen to somebody speak and leave. God, but this would be a time where you really grabbed our hearts. God, I pray that something in this psalm touches every one of us here today. And God, as we take these pieces of paper out with your word on it, may it sink deep in our hearts. May, may we hide your word in our hearts, God, that we be glorify you from it. Lord, may we experience you on a personal level that changes our lives, God. May we be sold out for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen guys. God bless. Have a good weekend. <laughs>